I uh, encourage everyone to read the Gospels at least once through in their life, all, all four Gospels. It helps us to get a, a grasp of, of uh, the, the, the flow of things. But if we read the Gospels, we begin to understand uh, something uh, quite interesting, and that is uh, that there's really very, very little that, uh, of the details that do not have some significance. This is uh, perhaps, this Gospel passage is perhaps one of those that uh, people quibble about the 153, what does that mean, and stuff like that, and, and there's all sorts of reasons, and, and, but uh, some have suggested that there were, uh, at that time, 153 different known races of human beings, and so a uh, symbol that this net that Jesus Christ wanted to be cast with his resurrection is, um, is for all people. It's possible. I, I think that's a good good reason. We do know that there weren't 153 different varieties of fish in the uh, Sea of Galilee or Lake Tiberias or, or uh, Gennesaret or whatever name you want to use for that lake. We do know that. There, uh, there wasn't that biodiverse. But uh, it does have something to say. But the other thing is we begin to see the bookend. That at the beginning of... Jesus' ministry. Jesus called Peter, found him in a boat, and this is in Luke's gospel, found him in a boat and said, take me offshore so he could preach. And there, it's very similar. Uh, Peter had been out all night, hadn't caught anything. Jesus says, cast the net uh, to, the, to the right side. They cast it, they pull it in, and Peter sinks to his knees, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And Jesus responds, saying, You are Peter, you are Simon, but uh, you shall be Peter, and you, from now on you will be a fisher of men. So Peter had been given a, a mission from that very first encounter with the Lord, but after the resurrection, he doesn't know what to do. He has no clue what to do. So what does he do? I'm going fishing. He returns back to that natural that normal state of life that he had before Jesus called him. He goes back. And the rest of the disciples, oh, I don't know what to do either. I do have to admit that poor Thomas, we'll hear about that on, on this weekend, Thomas doesn't want to miss any of the action, so he's going wherever Peter is going. But the others go along too. Because they don't know what to do. Jesus has already appeared to them but they don't know what to do, and so they return to what they think is a normal life. But isn't it just like Jesus to interrupt normal life? So Jesus on the shore, have you caught anything? Not yet. <laughs> you can almost sense the embarrassment. And Jesus is prepared, though. Not only does he have a fire burning, but he has fish and bread already. Again, some quibble about where did he get it. Uh, I'm not going to quibble about such things. But it is in the miraculous catch that they understand. Why do they understand? Because it already happened. And Peter already, uh, you can see the wheels almost turning in his head as this must be the Lord. It is the Lord. So he clads himself. You don't want to jump into, into the lake with loose clothing and everything like that. So he clads himself. 
he prepares himself, he jumps in the water. He doesn't care what he's going to look like when he gets to the shore. He jumps in the water, he swims to shore, and there encounters the Lord in his resurrection. Of course, we'll hear tomorrow the follow-up of that. I believe it's tomorrow, and I'll take that back. It's sometime in the next, next few days. We hear about that. As Jesus asks him, do you love me? He asks him three times because if you remember, right before Jesus is being, uh, being uh, convicted, right before he was condemned to death, Peter denied three times. Maybe that's why Peter wanted to return to a normal life because he didn't understand. He didn't understand that Jesus could forgive. But Jesus does forgive. What does this mean for us? I think uh, we, we perhaps, most of us, have had an experience, maybe, hopefully, of encountering the Lord. And it comes that sometimes we don't know what to do with that encounter, that, that, it, that you know, if it's a retreat or whatever, we get the retreat glow, and for a few days, everything is well with the world. We feel like we're walking six feet off the ground. Everything is good, everything is wonderful, and then all of a sudden, we lose it. And we don't know what to do. And so we think we're going to return to our normal life. We can't. There is no normal. Well, these days, certainly there's no normal. But if we keep looking for the Lord and keep watching, and, and perhaps like John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that we are always scanning the horizon, always looking, where is the Lord calling me today? Where is the Lord inviting me to go? How is he inviting me to proclaim his resurrection? How is he inviting me to, to live his life? Then we might not have that same retreat high, but certainly we are doing what the Lord desires. That's what Peter had to experience. Not going back to a normal life, but rather going forward. And we know that the rest of his life, as we, even as we hear in today's first reading, he becomes a man who preaches the gospel boldly. This Jesus whom you crucified has been given to us for our salvation. And he continues to point to Jesus Christ the rest of his life. And even in his death, though he felt himself unworthy to die in the manner like Jesus Christ, begs to be crucified under, upside down so that he may not die like Jesus Christ, but becomes an image of a life given to Christ. For us, there is no normal, but how is the Lord calling us this day to live his life?